Welcome to the Think Kingdom Church Podcast. I am Marcus Looney, the Creative Arts Director here at Think Kingdom. We're starting a new sermon series entitled Filters, Seeing Through a Kingdom Lens. So let's go ahead and jump in and see what God's Word has for us with our lead pastor, Antoine Lasseter. The older I get, the harder it gets to see 2020. Now, I know we're coming out of the year 2020, but I'm literally talking about eyesight. So uh, getting older creates a brand new set of dilemmas. And if you're north of 40, I think you can relate in terms of eyesight. So it starts off subtle. I've been wearing eyeglasses since I think middle school. And the longer I wear um, eyeglasses, uh, especially over the last few years, um, when I'm starting to read now, Things are getting a little fuzzy. So I recently went to the eye doctor and um, I had both my eyes checked. Now, of course, two eyes, I get it. But what I mean was both my eyes were checked individually and then collectively because it's important to see the strength of both eyes. So here I am, uh, you know the routine, you got these big, Big things, I don't even know what they called, but you you sit in it and then she says, uh, you're looking at the letters and you know, shout out to myself, I can read the top two with no problems, you know, I passed that test. But then when it start getting lower, um, I start having difficulty and she would change the lens and she would say, um, uh, which one is better, one or two? Then I'll say one. Then she'll say, which one is better, two or three? And I'll be, uh, three. And then she'll say, which one is better, three or four? And then sometimes she'll go switch between one and two and so forth and so on. But her point was to help me to get to 2020, help me to be able to see clearly. Because if I couldn't, if I can't see clearly, it's going to affect everything around me. And so uh, I remember um, each year, very subtle, not so much this year, but in previous years, the older I get, the stronger the prescription is. So she's going, I'm, I'm, I got this thing, I take all these tests, and it's like, okay, finally, I got him as close to 2020 as possible. And the whole point of getting these corrective lenses is to be able to see nearly because I, I, I can't obtain that. I, I'm not, I, I'm not, I can't obtain perfect 2020 vision. It's just how I'm set up in terms of my vision. But the point is to be able to get him to see as best as humanly possible. So we need to subject him to all these tests and so that he can, his eyesight can be corrected with using these corrective lenses. I believe that the series that we're going to be entering into uh, this, these next couple of weeks, these next few weeks, um, is very important. Now, I know we say that because uh, to sort of bring emphasis to the sermon series, and we all want, we want people to hear the word of God, but the, the reality of it is that it's so important because not only the time that we're living in, but it is very important to be able to see correctly. 
And so I um, will be walking through the first series in this, the first sermon in this series. But let me, give me some time to lay down some groundwork. And I pray that this message speaks to you and speaks to us as a church family. If you're watching, if you're the first time guest, um, I, I pray that this message ministers to you. And if you will, at this time, put in the comments, first time guest, we want to connect with you. Um, and we just want to be able to pray for you if you need prayer. Um, and so it's very important for us for connections because this season we need some connections. And so just write in the comment section, first time guest. So let me let me get to work, if so to speak. Let me get to work. In Matthew chapter 13, the, the disciples asked Jesus, hey Jesus, they didn't say it like this. Hey Jesus, um, why do you speak in parables? Why not just st shoot straight from the hip? And Jesus answered them in verse number 11. He says, because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you, for given for you to know. It hasn't been given to them. It hasn't been given to the world. But the secrets of the kingdom, hear me, the secrets of the kingdom have been given for you to know. So you know how to move in, in this world. We need a kingdom mindset. And sometimes, honestly, those things are, 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 are buzzwords, especially in church talk. And, and for if you're watching, you don't even understand what the kingdom is. I hope before the end of this message, um, you will um, uh, understand the kingdom in a greater way. But for us who understand that we are not citizens of this world, citizens of the United States, we have a dual citizenship. In other words, we are citizens of the world. I know I sort of contradicted myself, but my point is that the citizenship of a believer is one that God rules. Okay? But in verse number 12, he goes on to say, for whoever has, more will be given to him. And he will have more than enough. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. So if you understand the secrets of the kingdom, you're going to be able to move a little different. We should be able to move a little different than what the world moves. And so he says, if you know the secrets of the kingdom, you'll be able to have more. We're not talking about stuff. Because sometimes, I'm going to get this in my message, but sometimes we have this mentality that when, when, when we talk about um, the kingdom, it's all about the acquisition of stuff. I ain't talking about stuff. That's bottom dwelling. That's small stuff. I'm talking about the secrets of the kingdom. We're going to talk about that briefly, but we're talking about the secrets of the kingdom. So he says in... Uh, uh, Let's see, uh, verse number 13. I speak to them in parables because looking, they do not see. Hearing, they do not listen or understand. It is God's, it's always God's intention for his people to be able to see. Mm, see what? We're going to talk about that. But to see, to understand. So then he goes into Matthew chapter 13, verse number 15. For this people's heart has grown callous. Some translation says hard. Uh, their ears are hard of hearing. Say what? Their ears are hard of hearing. Say what? Their ears are hard of hearing. And they shut their eyes. 
Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts. Ooh, understand with their hearts and turn back and I would heal them. Blessed are your eyes because they do see and your ears because they do hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see the things you see, but didn't see them. They died before the promise came. Thank God you're still alive. Oh, because the promise is Jesus. And we as Christ followers were able to see Jesus. Oh, man, don't have time to talk about that particular point. But he says, but they didn't see them to hear things. You hear, but didn't hear them. So Jesus is literally laying out for us in Matthew chapter 13. But that's not my message. I want to take three things from Matthew 13 because they're very important. Jesus says, heart, ears, eyes. That's a very interesting order. He starts with the heart. He says, your heart hardens. That's your intellect. That's your will. That's your emotions. Uh, your heart hardens. It's callous. Nothing can get in, nothing can get out. Ears become hard of hearing. Hmm. He didn't say you couldn't hear. You hear, just not the truth, which makes hearing the truth harder. Write that down. He says ears become hard of hearing. He didn't say you couldn't hear. He just says you hear just not the truth, which makes hearing the truth harder. You know what makes the hearing the truth harder? Your echo chamber. The places that people think like you, especially when it's a worldview and it's not rooted in truth. And that's why for some of us, we struggle to hear the voice of God because of the noises of the world. But that's not my message. That's a filter. That's a filter, your heart, your ears. And then the third thing is your eyes. Your eyes become closed. The first two goes, your eyes become closed, bars. The first two goes, so now you can't see. Um, put bars in the comment section. It's inside joke, ha ha ha, laugh, bars. Um, you can't see what happens around you because your eyes are closed. Hmm. You can't see the kingdom because your eyes are closed. You can't hear truth about the kingdom because you're hearing the truth about, uh-huh, not my message. But it becomes difficult to see from a kingdom lens because of your filters. So the eye doctor says to me, hey, which one looks better? Let me use these tools to judge how well you see. Because you, uh, as a patient, you, Antoine, uh, will get used to not seeing. Mm. So what the eye doctor's job, the optometrist's job, is to improve my vision. So he constantly asks me, what do you see? And so I'm, in this moment in American history, I'm not going to spend my, my majority of my message talking about what happened. I, I really, because God has orchestrated and ordained this message, because I believe this message is relevant not only to our church, but to others. This series that we're beginning 
today, this morning, it's called Filter, Seeing Through a Kingdom Lens. Filter. And that those filters include my heart, my eyes, and my ears. Now, I'm going to give you a background of the Beatitudes. Uh, very important. Uh, but here's what I want you to understand, that Jesus did not pick the Beatitudes from out of the air. They are connected to the Old Testament. The Word of God builds on itself. It's complete. People are changing the Word of God to meet their own needs, agenda, or wants. This is nothing new, but we are seeing it all around us. But then some choose to ignore the word of God altogether. They believe it's outdated and cannot speak to the times we live in. And that's also in error. And I say that because Jesus pulls from the Old Testament. He doesn't dismiss it. And, and so the Beatitudes are from uh, Isaiah, Exodus, Psalms. We're going to hash that out. But I want you to think about this. I, want, I really want you to think about everything that's going on. I got to fix this thing. It's all in my way. Um, the beatitude means blessed. It means happy. And so we're going to start this series in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. The beatitude. So Jesus um, uh, let's go to verse number one. When he saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So I want you to see the tune. I want you to see, I want you to see the scene. Jesus' popularity is growing, and the crowds are beginning to follow him. And when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, it was, it was custom for the rabbi, the Jewish teachers, to sit down. Now, this is interesting. I don't know how, how many people were there. I don't know how big the crowd was, but I'm assuming that there was a large crowd, and Jesus sat down. Wow. So I don't know if he did that. I don't know if he yelled. I, I, I don't perceive that he did. But how did the crowds hear them? Hear him? Because they got as close as they could. But he wasn't ready teaching. He wasn't. He didn't start teaching till the disciples came. That a breach. The crowds, the people who are just curious. This is not in my. This is not a point of the message. But I just want to uh, highlight something. So the crowds came, that's the curious. But he didn't teach until the disciples came. That's the committed. You and I have to distinguish between the curious and the committed. Disciples follow Jesus, learn from Jesus. That's the most simplest way I can put it. I need for you to put that down. Disciples, follow Jesus, learn from Jesus. Now, what we unpack is come, follow, go, and do. But in its simplest terms... A disciple is a person who follows Jesus and learns from Jesus. The crowds represent the curious, but they're not committed. Know the difference between the crowd and the committed. But the biggest difference between the two is convenience. Following Jesus will cost. I am, 
you sus, you, you suspect when, when following Jesus with the expectation that it doesn't cost you anything. But that's not my message. Verse number three, blessed are the poor in spirit for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Bless, it means happy. Yes, happy. Blessed. For the poor, blessed are the poor in spirit. Let's take that poor in spirit. That poor in spirit means spiritually empty. It doesn't mean economic status. It doesn't mean how much stuff you have in this world. It means um, it's a spiritual status. We're not measuring your success by stock indicators or bank accounts. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying you are blessed if you see yourself as poor in spirit. Well, what does that mean? It means spiritually empty, that we recognize that there's no good thing in us. If a man created it, Rest assured, it got some bad in it. <laughs> so at the very least, it's corrupted. Every institution, every structure is tainted. Well, how can you say that? Because it was created by sinful people. We're all sinners saved by faith through the grace of Jesus Christ. Psalms 127. I'm about to preach myself happy. Psalms 20, 127. It says, unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor over it in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays alert in vain. Jesus is saying when we admit that we are spiritually poor, when we admit that we are spiritually bankrupt, then and only then can we be blessed knowing that God has made provisions for us. I know I'm yelling. It's just my passion. So if you're watching and you're like, man, who is this guy yelling? I'm just passionate. If you know me, if you get to know me, I'm just a passionate dude. So the scripture says, um, Unless the Lord builds a house, we labor in vain. And, and we have, see, our attitudes is we have to be the ones that save the republic. We have to be the ones that save our marriage. We have to be ones to save our children. Jesus is saying, look, you can't save anybody. Mm. And until you realize that your labor your work, your study, your attempts to build, attempts to grow, attempts to multiply, until you realize that your attempts, my attempts, our attempts to do it without God, it's in vain. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying we're all poor in spirit. But, but for a few that know the grace of God, we just know it. Everyone in this world is poor in spirit. Oh, how dare you say that? Romans chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. What then? Are we better off? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. Being poor in spirit. It's about God giving us a proper attitude about ourselves and toward him. That's right. We need to see. Can I give myself an amen? Amen. We need to see ourselves as carrying a debt of sin and consequently as bankrupt before God. We need to know about ourselves that the only way out of this mess it's to cry mercy, holy, help, 
to the only one who can wipe out our debt and be our supply in this bankruptcy. We got to cry out to God. The poverty of spirit, being poor in spirit, it leads us to many harmful things in an attempt to satisfy the longings of our hearts. To belong, to be loved. The poverty of spirit is, in this proper context, is uh, the recognition that we need God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the ones who say we need God. I'm happy because what I realize, Washington can't fix it. I'm happy because I realize I can't fix it. That's my recognition that I need God. And that is the prerequisite for happiness. You want to be happy? You want to be happy? Why am I so passionate? Why is he so? You want to be happy? True happiness? It begins with being poor in spirit. I was talking to somebody recently. And I said, man, oh, this breakthrough is going to look good. And the person was like, I don't know how you can say that. I said, because the scripture says, spiritually bankrupt, blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit. When you at the end of your rope, hmm, when money can't fix it, when political parties can't fix it, when it's beyond your grasp, when we find ourselves in a situation where there isn't a way out, he's making room for his kingdom. Man, because being poor in spirit makes us totally dependent on God and ultimately each other. Well, man, ah, but the filters of our heart, ears and eyes, if we are going to see through the lens of the kingdom, we must see God as righteous and we broken. So the first thing. That the first point of being poor in spirit, simple, perspective. I'm not going to attempt to spell it. I can spell it. I choose not to because it's appearing right on your screen. Perspective. Being poor in spirit gives us a proper perspective of God's holiness and our filthiness. God's righteousness and our brokenness. And so blessed are the poor in spirit. Hmm. Why? That's not a poor spirit. You know why? Because they have a perspective of how good God is. And they see themselves. Oh, man. <laughs> Listen, the poor in spirit, being spiritually bankrupt, literally saying, I can't, I can't. I was talking to somebody the other day. I talked to a lot of people. I'm a pastor. I was talking to somebody the other day. And, and we were talking about now. You can hear God. Now you, you see from a different perspective. You know why? Because trouble has a way of getting your attention. Hello, I'm trouble. And you know what we do as a result of that? Blessed are the poor in spirit. We are happy, man, when we have a great perspective of this earth. And I'm about to move into the second part of this. Blessed are the poor in spirit for the kingdom of heaven. Oh, what is the kingdom of heaven? Listen, Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, it says, Although the earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. 
the kingdom of heaven from uh, uh, I want to give you my point now because I was trying to build up to my second point but it got so good to me can I just give it to you now the kingdom of heaven is God's presence oh. Y'all don't hear me in this virtual world. The kingdom of heaven is God's presence. Oh, you know what God did? God was in the garden. Why? Because he wanted to be, he, man, he, the greatest reward that believers have isn't stuff, isn't, isn't a sovereign nation, isn't peacetime. The greatest thing that we have, I'm preaching good, the greatest thing that we have as believer, believers is God's presence. And if you say, well, I don't know, well, you haven't experienced God's presence. He says, you know, in, in Exodus, this is what I'm going to do. Out of this desert and this palace, we're going to build a tabernacle. Why are we going to build a tabernacle? Because we want God's presence. Over time, and, and man, over time, the people wanted a king like any other nation. I want you, they got, it got to a point that they started looking at different, the different nations, and they said, we want to be like them. Man, and it got louder and louder. It came to a head in 1 Samuel chapter 8. Instead of the people of God being an example for the world to watch, the people of God wanted to become like the world. Man, I need to put that down. Instead of the people of God being an example for the world to watch, the people of God wanted to become like the world. Give us a king. Man, the kingdom of heaven refers to the reign of God. So this is what 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 19 and 20, we want a king over us, they cried. Then we'll be like all other nations with the king to lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. And God was displeased. Samuel was hot. The prophet Samuel was like hot. God said, it's not you that they reject. But they rejected me as their king. So this one's on me. So I'm going to give them what they want. Be careful what you pray for. Be careful. Because he will give you what you want. We sow in the seeds. We are reaping the seeds sown. So why are we tripping now? We want a king. Because he ain't enough. And we can look at government. And I can make it as broad as you want, but I'm talking about personal. What have we allowed to sit on the throne in our hearts that we know better than God? Jesus, mm, blessed are the poor in spirit for the kingdom of heaven. Jesus offers us, y'all, ooh, I can't wait till we can gather again. But Jesus offers us God's presence. That's what he offers us. He said, happy are the ones who understand their spiritual condition because God's presence. Jesus offers a new kingdom that disrupts this one. Not only do we see differently perspective, but we have God's presence. So we see differently, we act differently, we respond differently. We don't storm capitals. We don't do that. 
Because our kingdom is not of this world. We don't carry a Jesus flag that shames his names. Now, in balance to that, we can't ever do anything to shame his name. He's God. But it's like, <laughs> man, let me preach that Jesus offers the true king, not a substitute. He, man, G God loves, here's something, newsflash, God rules by his love. And his love is governed by his character. And so everything that we do in his name should be ruled by his love and governed by his character. What's the fruit of the spirits? Did we witness the fruit of the spirits in his name? Man, um, mm, there is a holy indignation that the Lord has not released to me to say just yet. But I'm chomping at the bits because a surrendered, submitted church gives the world a snapshot of the kingdom. A submitted and surrendered church gives the world a foretaste of the kingdom. And his bride ain't looking like the kingdom. But I'm telling you, boy, one of my favorite movies is Return of the King. Man, it's Lord, boy, Lord of the Rings. Man, I tell you what, when the king come back this time, and hey, 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 when the king returns, return of the ah, can I stay focused? See, it's hard. It's hard on me right now because I hear your amens. And I know that you're agreeing with me um, by the spirit, but it's something about fellowship. But we're going to make it and we're going to endure because here's what the world offers. The world offers idols who can't and won't satisfy. That's why we keep building them because they're never enough. And the world offers a human ingenuity, potential, technology, and the utopia experience and trying to get better. And, and, and there's a there's a. A, a hunger for justice. There's a hunger. That's the character of God. And there are men attempts. They attempt, men and women attempt to bring peace. And men and women attempt to bring uh, a correction and, and stewardship and all those things. And sweetheart and sir, it's not going to happen without God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The recognition that we need God. Happy are the ones who recognize we need God. For there is, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So the last part of that is theirs. Theirs, third point, speaks to possession. Perspective, his presence leads to, oh man, the possession of the kingdom. Once I see through a kingdom lens, once I remove all these crazy filters, once I see through a, a, a kingdom lens, my perspective changes. My, the, I, I seek out the, the kingdom of heaven, um, the kingdom of heaven, the presence of God. And I can obtain the possession of the kingdom. And this stands in contrast 
to so much of what we see. The spirit of this age tells us to express ourselves in any way, to believe in ourselves. We are all about self-reliance, self-sufficiency, self-confidence, and so on. We speak about rights and privileges that come enmeshed with entitlements. But the message of Jesus is promoting is counterculture. The Beatitudes, this one is saying empty, um, empty, pour out so God can pour in. When we are full of self, we miss God's presence. I believe that if we're continually filled with self, then we need to stop calling ourselves Christians. We talk about the violence of the kingdom. The violence perpetrated against the kingdom, I believe, is not what you think. It's the violence of idolatry, of individualism, nationalism, racism, and politicism, and a host of other isms that show up in the church and we don't identify it. The gates of hell isn't, is, is trying to prevail against the church, but Jesus is cleansing his church and flipping over tables. We have commercialized and politicized and have pimped ourselves for power. And God is about to come. God is about to come cleanse his church. Jesus is about to come cleanse his church and flip over tables. Because here's a newsflash. He didn't guarantee this country to us. He said you are being possession of the kingdom of heaven. This country isn't ours. He promised us the possession of the kingdom. Blessed are the poor spirit. Um, blessed are the poor spirit for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Our home even isn't ours. But the kingdom is. Hey, why would Jesus say um, uh, that many would lose their lives and lose their homes in my name if he wanted us to keep it? The scripture says in Matthew chapter 10, let me give you Bible. The scripture says in Matthew 10, chapter 39, anyone who finds his life will lose it. And if uh, anyone who loses his life because of me will find it. The violence that we sing against the kingdom is how we hold on to things that Jesus tells us to let go. Man. But here's, here's what filters do. Filters alter the appearance of an image. Filters can blur, make a photograph look like a sketch, and make someone look younger, such as myself, or even thinner. We're still working on that. That's what filters do. And so if we're going to see through a kingdom lens, we need to change these filters. And what we must be careful that in our selfish attempts, we not we do not alter who Jesus is by refusing to look at who Jesus is and who we are as disciples of Jesus with filters that modify him. So when we go in Jesus name as conquerors, we go in Jesus names and do things that are against his nature, against his character. I believe that the Holy Spirit is saying, what looks better, one or two? I believe that the Holy Spirit is saying, what looks better? Can you see it? Is it sharper? And what's sharper? 
What's sharper is the filter of my heart. The Bible says that my heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can understand it? Jesus reminds us, he who has an ear, let him hear. What do you see? How are you filtering all of what's happening around us? Are you filtering it through a dark room of people who don't know God? Are you filtering it through the Pharisees who are legalists and believe that this is what you should do and this is how you should do it and this is why you do it? Or are you filtering it through the community and fellowship of believers? Are you filtering it through the word of God? Are you filtering it through prayer? Just a lot of angst and anxiety. But what are you filtering it from? Jesus tells us, blessed are the poor in spirit. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. I pray that the Lord opens our eyes and changes our perspective. I pray that the Lord gives us a hunger for his presence. I mean, are you worshiping him because of the pain? You really don't. You, it's the elimination of pain and not the joy of his presence. That's filter. Like he's getting our attention because of the pain. And the reason why we're going after him is because we want the pain to stop. But we still have not experienced his goodness. That's what awaits for you and I once we see from a kingdom lens. For some of us, it's time for us to get our ass checked. To submit ourselves and let the physician, the doctor, determine how well we see. And for others, you don't know, you don't, you don't remember the last time you went to that doctor. And I'm not talking about a physical doctor. I'm talking about the spirit of God leading us and guiding us in all truth. So after this message, if you need prayer, if there's a lot of questions that you have, I encourage you Private message us on Facebook. Send us an email on YouTube. However it is, we'll put it on the screen, but reach out to us. You can actually text us at 704-939-6723 and text us your prayer request. You are alone if you want to be because God is extending himself to you through watching this. Thank you. As I prepare to close and pray, if you have a prayer request in, if you have a prayer request that there are hosts and guests that will pray for you right now, no matter if you're watching it later, but let me pray. Father, we turn to you like no other. And we ask you when we're at our end, we are searching for answers. We, we, we're hurting. Father, help us to recognize our spiritual brokenness and how bankrupt and empty that we are and how dirty and nasty our sin is and how it's offensive to you. And in that same, help us to see your holiness and your righteousness. You are for us. You love us with an everlasting love. So, Father, in those moments of ugliness, help us, draw us to run to you. Father, as we prepare for the week and whatever happens this week, next, whatever happens in 2021, help us to know 
that the presence, the, the presence of God is with us because you have given us possession of the kingdom of heaven. I pray for every man, woman, and child in the sound of my voice. You can only give us peace. You can give us a joy. You can give us joy. You give us hope and you give us love. Help us to walk in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor Antoine unraveling the first series, Filters. We're going to continue to take a look at the Beatitudes in the coming weeks. If you're blessed by anything you hear on this podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. We want to welcome our new friends turned family to Think Kingdom. And if you haven't, go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram under Think Kingdom. And as always, you can go back, hear this sermon, so much more right here on the Think Kingdom Church Podcast. Oh,